Welcome to White Sox Business. It's a podcast about two guys who used to talk about the Chicago White Sox, but now spend their days playing FIFA between sets of Brazilian butt lift DVDs. I'm your host, Tom Fernelli, and joining me is the thickest of them all, the Athletics White Sox reporter, James Vegan. James, I don't want to start the show off on a depressing note, but we're recording this on Monday, March 23rd. And that means that the White Sox were supposed to be out of Glendale by now, which they are, at least. But they were supposed to be playing a three-game exhibition series against the Giants at Chase Field right now. Also, three games? Yeah. It, it also means that the draft for my fantasy league was scheduled to take place tonight. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel I feel like the last couple of weeks have been depressing enough. And then realizing that this morning was just like, ugh. Uh, I mean, if it makes you feel better last year, those games in Chase Field... Palco went off, and uh, Irvin Santana looked like he would command enough to uh, overcome a loss of velocity. So, um, literally meaningless might not even really cover it <laughs> as far as those exhibition games. Yeah, but it's it's not the meaning of the games themselves as much as it's what it symbolizes and that that series is always, you know, the end of spring training. Like, we're recording this on Monday, and the season was supposed to be starting in three days, and it is definitely not starting in three days. I'm hoping it starts within the next three months at this point. Yeah, also, uh, Chase Field used to play, like, Take Me Home by Phil Collins as their song when, like, the fans are emptying out, and on the arena speakers, gotta admit, it slaps. (laughs) I'll I'll keep that in mind. Uh, (laughs) So, how you doing? How you handling the... uh... A lot of time for random thoughts these days, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, it's... (laughs) I mean, what we went? When did we go into the official lockdown on Saturday night? Um, I, I don't know. I got out of there on Friday. I think. I you mean what? like lockdown as far as like the country and the city? I mean, yeah. Chicago went officially on like a stay home order, which is just a uh, nice, yeah, Saturday. Nice way of saying lockdown. <laughs> how'd How'd your weekend go? Um, I ate from Red Lobster for the very first time because my wife wanted to. You never ate at Red Lobster? No. What'd you have? Um, a bunch of coconut shrimp because she wanted coconut shrimp, but I was hesitant to go to Lawrence's after they gave my $65 order to somebody else last time I went. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of places to get red lo- uh, coconut shrimp, so we got carry out at Red Lobster, and they gave us 18 Cheddar Bay biscuits for reasons unknown. 18? 18. How long would that last you? Um, maybe another day or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't eat red lobster. I, I have a. I have a shellfish allergy. Like I can eat shrimp, but I can only eat a few before things start becoming a problem for me. Um, I also ordered like scallops, and initially thought they had gotten the order wrong and forgot them because I didn't realize they were so tiny and a tiny little tin foil, like balled up ball of tin foil, had four of them in it. Um, not a great value, but you know, a lot of biscuits. Sweet. All right, well, uh, we should probably talk about the White Sox. Not a whole lot to report on since Thursday's episode. Uh, to recap not, what happened... Not even like anybody like procedurally sent down to AAA. Yeah, to, to recap what happened with the White Sox in the last four days, nothing, nothing, and then some more nothing. But 
John Greenberg, your editor at The Athletic Chicago, did run a Chicago sports poll last week that received 1,800 votes. So, you know, that's a huge sample size. That is indicative of the entire city. But there, there were some interesting results in that the White Sox are kind of popular right now, or at least they are with the people who responded to that poll. Just we'll, we'll go over some of the results. The White Sox, in the question of which team, if you could only root for one of the Chicago sports teams, which one would you root for? They finished just behind the Bears and Blackhawks in fourth place, and of course way behind the Cubs. And it was kind of the same story with which team do you enjoy watching the most, where the, the results were pretty much the same, which, I mean, they were similar questions. But were, were you surprised or are you surprised to see that the White Sox are that close to the Bears? Um, No, because, like, the Bears had this fan-murdering year where everyone's really mad at them and lost face in their direction. And I thought the split that Greenberg noted was funny because everyone's like optimistic about the White Sox, but still recent memory of watching them is still deeply unpleasant. And I thought the voting kind of reflected that. Um, Like they they can be a fun team offensively near the end of last season, but for the most part, you associate the last 10 years of White Sox is pretty frustrating play. So it's funny that the, even with all the optimism right now where they, I don't know, they probably have as much optimism associated with them as any team in the city, I would say. Um, People, people still remember what they most recently saw. Um, is eighteen hundred votes sub one hundred eight tournament turnout? For some of them, yeah. <laughs> but then again, I wasn't campaigning for John's poll like I was campaigning for your Twitter battles with Chuck Garfine. Yeah. Uh, well, I will say, I mean, as John wrote, a lot of this voting happened before the Bears traded for Nick Foles, so who knows how that would have altered the results. But you mentioned that there's optimism surrounding the White Sox, and that showed up in the poll because one of the questions was, which Chicago team is most likely to win the next title? The White Sox received 48.7% of the vote, so nearly half the vote. They finished in first ahead of everybody else, ahead of the Cubs, ahead of the Bears, ahead of the Blackhawks, Bulls, the Sky, the Fire, everybody. What? <laughs> like, I personally, full disclosure, I voted for the Bears. I know that I... they just came off a horrible year, or at least a soul-crushing year, but I still think they are a lot closer to winning a title than the White Sox are at this point. I think they're closer, but I don't know if I nest. I don't remember who I voted for. I assume I voted for the Cubs just because I put it on generally that I feel like it's an unlikely event for everybody. So I don't necessarily think like somebody's going to win it in the next three years. And I oh, would there's just our go headline. with the teams that ha- I don't. I would James just go with Fegan, the team that has White like Sox the- rebuild a failure. Well, there's there's no none of the teams in the in in the city right now are like. Like no question, top five team in the sport, and like Correct. are currently in a window where you expect them to compete for the championship immediately. Like you all need to see them um, take some sort of leap to really get in that realm. And just in general, more often than not, that doesn't happen. And even if you are one of those top five teams that should be, you know, or top three teams that really have a chance to win a title that year, like the odds are against you of that actually happening. Like the Dodgers have been the team that's been contending for a championship or one of the teams that should win a world series the last five years and it hasn't happened and it's not like a discredit to what the dodgers have built it's just that those are the odds playing out and so even if you're a team that you feel like is on the rise you should still view it as more likely not you're not going to win a championship during that time that's that's how that's how life works um so the fact that no team is in that tier i just went with the i i don't even remember who i voted for but i'd probably win with the cubs because i just think they're a team that 
their budget level is going to be high enough that they're never really going to drop off the plane. Even if I don't really, I'd probably, you know, take the, I guess I would say the White Sox under a better position the next year or two uh, than they are just because they're kind of, the the Cubs are kind of coming down where they're kind of capped out as far as what their ownership will allow them to do and not really in position to build up. Whereas the White Sox seem to be entering their window a bit more, but all things being equal and given the fact that no, like the White Sox aren't the Dodgers or the Yankees right now and that we're, you know, I immediately expect them to have a chance to win every single year. Um, I, I would just take the team that's spending $200 million uh, regularly. That seems more likely to, that things will bounce in their favor at some point. So to recap, the White Sox will not win a title in the next three years and James left the Cubs. I voted for the Bears simply because, I mean, the NFL, I feel like there's such a smaller sample size that things are more random. Like in baseball with a 162-game season, you can't get, you know, there, there really aren't a lot of fluky playoff teams. You're either a playoff team or you're not. You could say the same with like the NBA and the NHL where, you know, 82 games you is supposed to weed out the bad teams, but with so many teams making the playoffs, you get some bad teams. In. And in hockey, I guess sometimes there can be a team that just gets hot and cruises for a while. But I just feel like in the NFL, I mean, the Bears got to the playoffs a couple years ago. And we've seen, you know, like a nine and seven New York Giants team win a Super Bowl. We we see, you know, teams with Joe Flacco win the Super Bowl. We saw a team with Nick Foles win the Super Bowl a few years ago. I feel like if you just get to the playoffs and you've only got to be like nine and seven to do it some years, and then you get hot at the right time, I think it's a little bit more random. So I think likelihood I would vote for the Bears, although I don't like I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any Chicago team right now that's really in a position for we could talk about feeling confident that somebody's going to win a title. Uh, speaking of confidence, another p- question was which wh- which team had the most trustworthy front office? And one team that won has won three titles in recent in the last decade, the Chicago Blackhawks. That front office finished way behind the White Sox, which finished in second place behind the Cubs front office. But the White Sox, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams got three times as many votes as Stan Bowman and the rest of the Blackhawks front office, which, like I said, has actually won three titles in the last decade. I mean, the vote split seemed to be like there's a tier with the Bulls and the Blackhawks and the Bears where their fan base is just actively furious with them. Yeah. And it kind of transcends like their confidence. It's just like, we think these guys are morons who should be fired right now. Yeah, and at the same and, at, at the same time, the Blackhawks are also very popular because the Athletic does get a large NHL readership. Yeah, because um, everyone else stopped covering the yes. NHL. <laughs> it's like you're <laughs> moved, it's like moved the into only a place to find NHL coverage. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think the Cubs, like Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, have obviously had a lot of success and are very proven. I don't think necessarily they have a magic bullet to how to get out of the situation they're in right now where they're kind of stuck in uh the 85 win uh band that you never want to be stuck in um and the white Sox are kind of in this middle tier where like well we don't think they're incompetent but we don't necessarily think that they're transcendently brilliant where they're going to you know whip up on the rest of the league in some way where they've hacked baseball and the like say the astros were thought to be and turns out they literally did um yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of that middle competent tier where, you know, they don't think they're actively destroying the team, possibly on purpose, and they don't think they don't have this, like, established track record of brilliance, even though both those dudes have World Series rings. Um, yeah, I, I think that's where they're falling. It, and they did make the playoffs as recently as 2008, so, you know. 
<laughs> give him credit for that. Uh, here, this was an interesting co- question for me too because it was like it's kind of like the title thing when you look at just the state of teams in the city. But for best coach manager in the city, Rick Renteria finished second behind Matt Nagy, who I mean. People think the Bears suck, yet they still think Nagy's a good coach, which I feel like there is a lot of disconnect there. But forgetting that, Renteria finished second with 28% of the vote. But my favorite, of course, is that David Ross, who has yet to manage a single game, not just with the Cubs, but anywhere, finished third with 20% of the vote. Well, I just don't understand. I mean, I I don't think anyone really comes out really strong as far as traditional things that um, fans would gravitate towards. Like... I think Renteria is a very competent manager, but I don't know if necessarily other than me writing it, and I don't know if that convinces you. Um, I don't think he does anything traditional that would, you know, cue fans that he is super competent because he doesn't have the, you know, winning or playoff success at any point. Literally never coached a winning team. And he like almost actively seeds, like uh, concedes the messaging war of saying, I'm not going to be the sabermetric, like statistically competent. I'm not going to like, preen to make you think that i'm statistically competent like you're just gonna have, I, I'm, I don't care what you think of me so even though i think he he is and he ran the preparation for the padres uh on that front specifically uh in the earlier part of his coaching career because he doesn't project either of those things and he doesn't have the track record i don't know what fans are really cling on to to say that this guy is brilliant because he doesn't really hit off any of the statistical fan indicators that you know you casually pick up on so you the fact that he even has that high, I guess, is um, I guess impressive. I think I did vote for him. Even though he yelled at you? <laughs> Especially because he yelled at me. So forgiving, Jake. I voted for him, too. And it was really, I mean, it was because the options aren't great. I mean, you, you could have voted for Nagy, but Nagy drives me insane with a lot of hits. Like, I know that Mitch Trubisky takes a lot of the flack for everything that went wrong with the Bears this year, but I thought Nagy had plenty to do with it himself. But... I, I took Ricks just because I think that was a little bit of homerous more than anything, just because there really wasn't a great option. So I just went with the White Sox manager. Uh, as far as the most popular players in the city, John didn't really give us exact numbers, but looking at the word cloud that he put out there, it looks <laughs> like... Is this word cloud voting analysis? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it looks like Yoan Moncada is the most popular White Sox player among the voters, which he's who I voted for. I mean, he's... He, I guess that's a credit to him. I was we were writing up like our Chicago Hall of Fame post because we we're doing a nonstop um, of these desperate posts to try yes. to get uh, traffic during this dead time. And I was writing up Frank Thomas, and I was like, Frank wasn't really like he was on the 2005 team, but he wasn't really like part of it. He doesn't have like that grand slam moment that Canerco has. Um, he wasn't. It wasn't like a smooth relationship with the franchise. Um, he's not like this personality archetype like Burley of the yeoman Indians eater or Canerco like this thoughtful captain who's stoic and all that like he really doesn't check any of the boxes to be beloved other than he's really freaking good and everyone like to the point where everyone realized it and I would say Yohan Makata has any sort of like tempestuous relationship with the White Sox or meant to imply that but he's not like bringing a ton on the personality aspect uh, for the fans at this point so I think it's interesting because him to rank that high is really just recognition of like, he's really good. You, know, you mentioned Mark Burley. We should shout it out. Today is Mark Burley's birthday. And yeah, I, I, I had no social media indicators of such. If you are listening on Monday 
and you care, it's not too late. MLB Network is replaying Mark Burley's perfect game like three times on Monday, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, then one late at night. So, I mean, I know we're all desperate for sports, so if you're looking to kill a few hours, there's a way you can do it. Uh, The final question we're going to talk is he also did a survey of who the best sports writer in Chicago is, James. And it looks like you lost another tournament. (laughs) You finished in third place. Behind Sahadev, barely though. And the winner was Mark Lazarus. And we should point out again, you know, lots of NHL fans at the Athletic because that's clearly the only reason Laz. <laughs> Hi, Laz, if you're listening. But uh, he had 160 votes. Sahadev had 97. You had 95. And I just want to point out that John wrote that, quote, I honestly get more compliments about James than anybody else on staff. How does that uh, make you feel, James? It's really a. I don't want to like. I'm not trying to like say it's good, but it's really a cult-like following in the sort of like. I don't necessarily feel like I have total control of these people, and I fear what they would do if they really got their minds around something, or like they had some sort of perceived injustice that they felt like they needed to write. I, I think the potential for violence is there, and I'm I'm very afraid of them. <laughs> I, I just figured your mom writes a lot of emails um she does but most of them concern COVID-19 <laughs> <laughs> I voted for you but only because if I'd voted for myself it would have given away who was voting <laughs> who did I vote for I think I voted for Sahadev wow so like in a way I mean because I bet Sahadev voted for himself too so <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably so those two votes those are two votes that gave him the edge. <laughs> way to go uh, okay, yeah, so that's, wow, we're really, <laughs> these are exciting topics to talk about. Hey, we burned through like 18 so minutes, bad. man. We did it. I know, I know. It's just, it's like, I was, I sat down, because you know, I usually do these, I run downs, I, I plan out the episodes either the night before or the morning of, depending on when we're, when we're recording, and like, I sat down last night to do it, and I was just like, man, I don't I don't know what we're going to do. And then, so I got up this morning, and it's like, okay, you got you got to plan out this episode. It was just, John tweeted out, you know, the link to the story. I was like, bam, I read it, and I was like, bam, there we go. There's our whole show. Because <laughs> there was, like I let off with, there was nothing that happened with the White Sox. There's not going to be a lot of anything that happens with them at any time in the near future. So, like, you're talking about how you're doing the Hall of Fame posts, and at my other gig, I, we're writing a whole lot of things that we wouldn't normally be writing this time of year anyway. It's like everybody's so desperate to find content to either write or talk about. It's like, man, I'm just latching on to anything I can get right now. I'm reading a book about a World Series game from 1968, and I'm going to write about it. <laughs> well, we might get to that later. I don't know if you looked at segment three. I did. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah, that is the one. All right. Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. First, before we get there, though, we're gonna. You wrote about another aspect of this that I think kind of gets overlooked. With baseball being shut down, the minor leagues have been shut down too. And while we don't normally watch minor league baseball, at least not in Chicago, because we've got you know two major league teams. This is yeah, ha- yeah. The it- last three years, it's definitely true. <laughs> this is having a major impact on the minor. I mean, the good news is. They're still getting paid. The bad news is they're still only getting paid like $400 a week. But 
you you talked to a lot of minor leaguers last week. You wrote a story about it. Like, what kind of sense are you getting from them and how they're dealing with it and how they plan to deal with it going forward? I mean, they're worried. <laughs> yeah. They're, all minor leaguers are kind of on a clock between when they're actually going to make it to the majors and when they basically are going to run out of um, – get to the point where they really can't financially support the idea of um, continuing to pursue this dream because it's, it's it, you really just don't work on wages that you can support a family with. Um, especially if like, I don't know, your spouse isn't like independently supporting the family uh, or, you know, some guys are lucky enough, not, I don't know if it's lucky, but like somebody like Matt Skull has like stuck around in triple a for so long that he makes a decent living. Um, and you know, having those major league, uh, appearances are also another like nice little boost his payroll where you can like hash out a decent living, just like being a triple a masher. But even then, like he's not going to be set for life by he's done, but he can probably, you know, keep doing it for another year or two. Um, but that's rare. And a lot of basically all the guys who are filling out like rosters on lower level clubs who are filling out the back of like a double a bullpen or, or pretty much all of a ball. If you're not a prospect or are guys really who are kind of living paycheck to paycheck. And as you mentioned, like they, they got they I don't know if it's actually gone out yet, but the MLB put out the statement that they were going to give out a lump sum basically for the spring training allowances um, that guys were going to get if they just had regular spring training at this point, which was supposed to keep going through uh, the start of April. Cause I think minor league open day was April 9th and it's like, Baseball America reported that it's like $400 a week. That's not much. And no. I didn't mean to like portray it as like good, but most of the guys I like talked to were like weighing, trying to see if they could like get um, a job at a grocery store or um, we're going to try to teach private pitching lessons, which a lot of them do over the off, um, off season. Um, and, you know, in the middle of, you know the freaking like outbreak where like lockdowns are not lockdowns but you know stay-at-home orders are being issued across the country it's not like a time where you you know you're sending your kid out to drive across town to go meet with some random 20-something and go uh have pitching lessons that very often so it, it's i felt like 400 a week is probably as much as they could have hoped to uh get on their own having all been suddenly sent home from the complex uh for you know contagion concerns and all of a sudden scrounging for part-time jobs during a time of the year where they're not really planning for that type of stuff. Like maybe you have an arrangement with a store that you work at part-time over the course of the winter, but you know, that maybe that doesn't mean you can just come back in the middle of April when they were planning to not have you there. And all of a sudden there's a job for you or hours for you, especially when I don't know what 2 million people filed for unemployment last week. It's a, it's a really tenuous situation. So as where it's extremely small help and they really need to be paying them, um, once the season starts, try to give them something that compensates them for the lost wages of not playing, you know, to not have your minor leaguers just thrown into an incredible hardship. Uh, I, I thought it was at least something that would stem total chaos. Um, Cause at least that's something close to what they were planning on living off of already. Um, at least for the next like two week period, it staves off disaster. But I think a, an issue just as pressing and something that they were all expressing uncertainty about was how are they, because even when they are living off those allowances for spring training, they have facilities to work out at and they all just got sent home where all the gyms are closed and all like the, you know, private baseball for training facilities they might work out are closed. So really a lot of them were trying to figure out like, 
how they're going to keep in shape because they're all under this order to kind of not ramp up but not really ramp down and go into like off-season mode of any kind like they're supposed to stay ready kind of in some way and you know one pitcher i talked to was talking about going to like a college schedule of throwing like once a week instead of every five days and maybe only throwing like maybe 40 pitches but they don't have anywhere to throw they don't have anyone to throw two um they were really kind of more immediately worried about how to improvise that than even I mean, they're all not to minimize how worried they were financially, but they were trying to figure out how to do that. Some of them had like, because a lot of them go to their old high schools uh, in the offseason. Those aren't open. So uh, like one guy I talked to was going to throw a, a baseball into a sock that he was going to tape to his hand. Now, how would uh, that I was, work? I read that and I was very intrigued. <laughs> like he's taping the sock to his wrist. So he has the ball in his hand and then he puts a sock over it like a long tube sock, oh. and then he tapes the sock to his wrist. And so then when he's releasing the ball, it's just going to the end of the sock, and then he's picking it back out. And so he's basically just throwing with the sock on so he doesn't have to, like, throw. Uh, like, the alternative would be, like, setting up a mattress in your basement and throwing against it. So, But this was just, like, this is basically, like, throwing without actually getting rid of the ball and having to, like, receive it every single time. Like that makes it, sense. You put, you'd have to use, like, Gorilla Tape to do that, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, I wonder if the guy was just going to straight up super glue the sock to his hand. But because um, I feel like that could lead to some hilarious, you know, mishaps. Like, oops, right. shit, there goes my TV. Now I got to buy a new TV on my four hundred dollar a week salary. Well, maybe you don't throw in the same room as the TV, even if space is limited. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, but for some context, you know, like four hundred a week, if. If that if over a full year, four hundred dollars a week is twenty thousand eight hundred. So like you're not destitute or anything, but it's not you know and that's before taxes. So it's it's not exactly the lap of luxury you're living in if you're making twenty thousand eight hundred a week. But if you, yeah, I think all those guys would still have to work part time or try to find stuff part time. It just doesn't put it same on the same level of like you have to find part time work or you're you're not gonna be able to feed your kid. It's, it's always a fun choice, but if you are only making 400 a week, at least you could save on the athletic right now. Tournaments have been canceled. Leagues are suspended. There hasn't been a live game on TV in what feels like a year, even though it's barely been more than a week. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely. But the athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. And in these very strange, very uncertain times, they are still hard at work doing excellent reporting and telling unique, engaging, informative stories. Like the one about Brazilian soccer legend Ronaldinho being in a Paraguayan jail right now, or how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams was beyond repair, and how it led to Todd Gurley signing with the Falcons after his release, or how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts, or, as we talked about last week, James's story on former Jackie Robinson West star Ed Howard, who is preparing to become a first-round Major League Baseball draft pick at a time when he's not allowed to play the final year of high school and not allowed to be scouted because nobody could play. There's tons of stories like those and a lot more. I also really enjoy the soccer coverage of a sport that is no longer being played. So it's during times like this that The Athletic can help keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports you love. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash southside, again, that's theathletic.com slash southside, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. 
Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to theathletic.com slash Southside for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. What a segue. Thank you. I, you know, I do make $20,800 an episode for a reason. So Is that, is that accurate? <laughs> yeah. How much are you getting paid for this? What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we, you 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 broached the subject earlier. I figure since there's absolutely nothing going on, we might as well talk about what we've been doing besides playing FIFA. So you said you were going to be your... writing next week's rundown. I'll tell you that much. There's that much money into it. <laughs> so you've been you've been reading a book, and it's Lucas Giolito's favorite book. Uh, yeah, he, we talked about it last season. Actually, um, his dad like was super into um, Bob Gibson and gave. Little Lucas at some point, pitch by pitch, which is like, well, it actually came out in 2015, so it's fairly recent. But it's kind of just like Gibson walking through really literally every pitch. Like he's clearly watching it on video at like 47 years later and kind of recalling what he was thinking at the time rather than like he literally just walked off the mound and just like wrote like this long breakdown of like everything that was happening. But it's really amazing level of detail. Uh, of just like walking through this incredible like performance he had in game one of the 1968 World Series. And it's funny because one, the first time Lucas said that his like favorite pitcher is Bob Gibson, I like kind of looked at him side eye because like that dude retired like, you know, 15, <laughs> 20 years before you were born. So obviously there had to be some different route towards it. But he, he said he read this book and it kind of got into his approach and his mindset and everything that he did. And, you know, funnily enough, Bob Gibson threw a ton of high fastballs and did a lot uh you know just there's a lot in there that really indicates that there's some stuff that's kind of eternal as far as um both the way pitchers work now and um and how Gibson worked but something that both Lucas and his dad really um kind of latched onto was the idea of being so good that it kind of alters how the game is played because of course they lowered the mound after mm-hmm. a Gibson 68 season where he had a, the 1.12 ERA um, I just got to the portion of the book where he talked about elbow pain and how you basically kind of ignored it <laughs> back then and uh, include the line of in periods where it was flaring up a little more than normal, talking about his elbow, I take some Buddha's olden, which is not approved anymore unless you're a horse. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Horse tranquilizers have always <laughs> been a great way. <laughs> to deal with elbow pain and oh my arm's getting tired shoot me up yeah uh so it's a good book though you would recommend it to our our, our listeners yeah also it's like pretty short so oh that's the best book it's 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 like 240 pages the hard book the hard cover i'm looking at is 256 pages so yeah and it's uh it's not like tightly it's it's large font i'm sure for most (laughs) of our our listeners that's that's a good three months worth of reading right there. <laughs> I mean, I never got around to like, I read it like every now and then, like in the bathroom. <laughs> and I probably got to like page 80 and never really, uh, you know, I never really sat down and dedicated a lot of time to it. But now I've read like 120 pages in the last like night. And we'll probably have it done by today. And then I can write about it. Well, if, nothing going on. If, if you think reading is for nerds, uh, Lynn and I, have started rewatching one of our favorite shows, Justified on Hulu, and it holds up. So if you have watched it, 
feel free to watch it again. It's still just as fun the second time around. And if you haven't watched it and you have Hulu, you should watch it because it's a good show. He uh, does he in the rewatch? Does he ever win a fist fight? <laughs> I'm only we're only six episodes into the rewatch. He hasn't really been in a fist fight yet, but he did. Well, actually, if I recall, he, his, if I recall his records like zero and nine. Well, I mean, no, he beats the crap out of Dewey Crow all yeah. the time. So I mean, I don't know if those count. <laughs> those aren't like straight up fist fights as much as just like police brutality. <laughs> I feel like if you're as good with a gun as he is, you don't really need to worry about winning fist fights. Yet he keeps getting in them yeah, and losing. He's got a temper, that man, that Raylan Givens. He's an angry man. I, I believe his 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 actual name is Justified. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Raylan Justified Givens. Uh, all right, time for shout-outs. My shout-out is to Herb Lawrence, who many of you know is a producer at The Score. Some of you also know him as one of the hosts of the Locked On White Sox podcast. And I'm shouting him out because I got the notification this morning that Herb followed my White Sox account this morning. And I knew he followed before, so I don't know if he accidentally unfollowed and is refollowing, or maybe he unfollowed me for some other reason, and now he's decided to follow me again. But, hey, Herb, welcome back. James, who's your shout-out to? Um, well, I will non-ironically or... Throwing shade. Shout out Cheddar Bay Biscuits, baby. Them shits are delicious, and I have seven more left. <laughs> you know, Lynn meant to order, like, some cinnamon buns for her dad and have them sent to him, and she accidentally had them sent here. <laughs> so we had some of those the other day. That was cool. That was one of those mistakes you could live with. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I don't think we're not doing another episode this week, are we? Uh, I don't no. know. I don't, I don't know if Cam's hunger strike to stop doing episodes. Uh, yeah, well, that's who we should shout out to. Shout out to Tyler. Tyler Hunt filling in for Cam today. Cam is driving cross-country National Lampoon style heading to Kansas. So Tyler was kind enough to step in, but because of that, we're not going to be recording another episode later this week. So is there a National Lampoon that takes place during a pandemic? Not yet, but <laughs> you just gave me a million dollar idea. He drives the Wally World and it's abandoned because everyone is... uh, Yeah, because everybody's social distancing. (laughs) Boom, it's a remake. Let's do it. Let's reboot this sucker. We're going to be rich, James, you and I. In fact, Tyler, get rid of this part of the show. We don't want to be giving this stuff away for free. And uh, if you did hear it, just forget about it. And we'll see you hopefully next week. And I mean, I'm assuming since we're not doing an episode on Thursday, there's going to be a shit ton of things that happen because of it. So you're welcome. Maybe more people will get options. There we go. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.